welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to the head coach of the top-ranked team in the CHL, the Winnipeg Ice. That would be James Patrick, who tells us to uh, maybe cool it a bit on top 10 rankings. Anyway, we'll also talk to Jamie Bettens of MJBL as we put a bow on the MLB season. That's all coming up on the podcast. 12-1 start to the WHL season, the Winnipeg Ice have been ranked number one in the latest CHL Top 10 poll. And here to talk about their hot start to the season is head coach James Patrick. James, this poll, this news today, does that matter at all to you as a coach, especially at this point in the season? No, I could care less. <laughs> and no, I, and no, I don't. And uh, I don't. I don't know how you can understand them because it's three different leagues and different competition and. Um, I just think, uh, you know, it, it's early, and even uh, our record has been real good here in our uh, in our league. But uh, you know, until you've been around the horn a few times, and and you know, we haven't seen all of Alberta. So I just uh, I, I got a notice today that we are up there, but I didn't, uh, I don't, and I do not uh, follow it. From a coaching perspective, when something like that comes out, I'm sure the players will at least hear about it. Do you have to make sure that they don't get too big ahead, or are you not concerned about that? No, I. It, I mean, uh, it's. I mean, I. I don't think I, I have to address that particularly. I think it's something that on a daily basis we we have to keep our players in check, and we have to try and keep them focused on on where we're at and where we want to be. And um, you know, and again, it's really it's so cliche, but it's just, you know, we're just, I'm just focusing on the next game and, and I was trying to get better from our last one. Um, those are the, I guess the things that we keep trying to hit home with our players. Uh, um, you know, we have, you know, we have goals, um, but we, you know, again, we're, it's the process we're focusing on um, process of, you know, what we have to do, how we have to play as a team and, and trying to get better coming to the rink every day with that, that mindset. Uh, I want to get better. Um, we know we're going to have to be a lot better as a team and individually come March and April. And so we're trying to work towards that right now. Um, so that's, that's the main, the main plan, I guess. But having said all that, you are 12 and one, you have outscored your opposition 72 to 23 in 13 games. It's hard to have a better start to the season than that, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would have, uh, I would have, you know, certainly didn't expect um, us to be where we're at. And, and not to say I, I felt we had a good team and we were a real good team last year in the bubble in Regina. Um, and I, I thought we could build off it. Um, and, uh, but, you know, when there's other good teams and, you know, we, we lost to a great team in Edmonton. Um, and we've had some close, close games with a lot of other teams, uh, that Alberta road trip, the you know three of the four games in Alberta were real close to start the trip off. You know we had to come from behind to beat Moosejaw, so I felt like you know the games lately have been a lot closer. Um, so some of those stats are a little inflated from uh, you know the first five games a year. You know we played some teams that were weren't at full strength. What's been the if if you can find one in a 12 and one start, what is the biggest flaw do you think right now with your team? If you are looking for something to work on. So for me, uh, you know, probably um, the two areas uh, 
that I, I want us to get better at is our, our neutral zone play. I just, I feel that if we really work at it and we play our system in the neutral zone, we can, we can wreak havoc on other teams and create a lot of turnovers. Um, and, and, and we do like to play a quick transition game and, and a lot of it comes from that. Um, so it's, that's an area I, I would like to see us better. And then just a, a mindset, a team mindset of always being on the right, the right side of the puck. And, um, it's it's something that um, when I watch NHL games, you take for granted. Like it is it is automatic. They know where they need to be. They know what the score is. They know, you know, the angles they need to take. And um, and our you know in our league, it's not it's certainly not the same. Uh, not all the players have developed that um, a sense of the game and and where you need to be. So that's probably. Those are two areas, but just, you know, being on the right side of the puck, puck in the neutral zone, I, I don't want us hoping it's going to bounce over their their forward stick so we might get a break. No, I want them to go underneath that player to make sure they go through him. Um, that that it's, you know, that it's, it's a battle that we can win by being on the right side of the puck. And it's just, it's just going to, it's not going to, you're not going to give up chances going the other way. And I, so if, you know, when I've watched, a lot of our games this year, but certainly our last five or six, when we um, when we give up scoring chances, when we um, don't play as well as we should, it's it, those are the two things that come to mind that where we have to be better. What would you say about the the play of your goaltender so far? Kind of a platoon thing you've got going, but both Gage Alexander and Daniel Hauser have both been very good. Yeah, they they have been. Uh, they've given us a chance to win every night. Um, I. Uh, you know, they, they're polar opposites when you describe goalies from the, you know, six foot seven goalie to, you know, a five foot 10 goalie. And, um, but they've in their own way, in their own style, they've both been, you know, like nothing short of excellence for us. And they've, they've worked hard. They've, they've practiced hard. They've competed hard. They're working on getting better. Um, and the, the toughest thing for them has been in some of the games that we've outplayed teams and outchanced them is they, you go, uh, you know, five minutes without a shot or out of, without a scoring chance. And, you know, we've had, we've had maybe more control of the play and we've had a lot of zone time and then we give up a two on one and they have to make a, a high quality save. And that's one thing they've, they've really done for us. And so then you're not losing momentum. You're not, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, when you're out chancing teams and then they go, they score on the, you know, the end of the night, are, are they scoring on, uh, you know, five of 10 chances and, and you, you out chance them 25 to 10 and, and it's a tie game that, so, so that, that has not been the case at all this year. They've come up with the right, you know, the big save at the right time besides, you know, playing really well. So, um, you know, knock on wood, it, it continues. They're both, like I said, they're both skilled and they're both, uh, they both improved a lot. Gage is, you know, we had Gage here at times with, as a 16 year old, he spent the whole, you know, he was on the team as a 17, 18. Now he's in his 19 year old year. He's just a goal, a big goalie who's improved, who's really um, learned how to play the game and um, done a ton of development last, last couple of years with the, with the goalie coaches, Byron Spriggs, who've, you know, uh, who we've had here and it's, it's made a difference with him. Matthew Savoy spent a handful of games 22 actually in 2019-20 with the team had seven assists now full-time player he's got 17 points in 13 games he's still only 17 years old 
uh, turns 18 in January. What have you seen in his development from when he spent time with the ice a couple of years ago to where he is now? Uh, as a 15 year old, he was very explosive, probably our fastest skater. Um, he did in the, in the 22 games he played, he got a lot of scoring chances, just, you know, had trouble finishing. And so what I, the biggest difference I just see now is, is um, how comfortable he is and, and confident. Um, that was like, we knew, you know, we knew at 15, he was a special player at that age. And like I said, he was fast. And um, so he still got that same speed, but um, he, he has the puck just so much more now. He's, you know, he plays center, he tops he, in our top six, uh, plays with uh, Peterson and McLennan and a lot of chemistry there. But I just, I mean, he's, he's just probably more rounded as a player, just more experienced because he's, he makes plays and he, he, I mean, there's some games he gets two or three breakaways just on reading the play, anticipating a puck, picking it off and then going the other way. Um, he's been, uh, you know, he's been as, as good as we ex- were hoping for, could have expected. And, um, and it was, you know, I think it was a bit of a mental thing. He just, he couldn't score. Um, like he had, even his last game he played that, that year as a 22 year old, or when he, the 22 games when he was a 15 year old, sorry, um, he probably had four point blank scoring chances and hit the crossbar, missed the net. The goalie made a great save, and and I know he was frustrated and down on himself, but um, you know he got over that quick. He he can score, he can he can make plays for us, and um, he started off actually a little bit slow, but these last uh, last five or six games, like I, I felt like he's he's playing at a real high level. We'll leave it off on, on this. Uh, people know the names of Connor Geeky and Matthew Savoy, Connor McLennan, and NHL draft pick. Mikey Milne, though, right now, the top scorer on your team with 20 points. What's something people out there should know about Mikey Milne if they don't know already? Um, geez, you know what? Uh, I get asked, a lot of scouts are asking about him, which I'm I'm happy. We, you know, we felt that uh, he, he's a 19-year-old, but last year's an 18-year-old you know, it was his draft year and um, he blew his shoulder out and missed, uh, you know, was out for six months and then just, you know, he played the last 10 games in the bubble and wasn't himself. And I think, you know, now it's a, it's uh, eight months later and he's comfortable and he's a, he's a high end or high speed player. He plays, uh, he plays the game at top speed and, um, you know, so I, you know, we felt that had he not been injured, he would have been a drafted player. And, and so now teams are getting uh, another look at a really good player who's, who's developed from, he played in our league as a, as a 16 year old and he's gotten better every year. And I would have described him two years ago as a great four checking energy player. And now his offensive game is, is, has matched his, uh, I guess his speed. And so I, uh, you know, another kid who's just put in so much work, but he's gotten better over the years and he's probably, uh, a product, you know, of, you know, Matt and Jake, Matt Cockle and Jake Heisinger decided in our second year that you know, our best bet for the future was to kind of start over. We moved some of our 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds and, and then and went real young. And and so Mike and uh, Owen Peterson, uh, Connor McLennan were all 16-year-olds that year. And, and now they're all our, our top guys um, and leaders on our team with, with Jake and Smallwood. So that's probably how I'd describe that group. Well, James, congrats on all this success so far. Appreciate your time tonight, and best of luck going forward here this season. 
Okay, thank you, Kristen. Well, the World Series is over. The Atlanta Braves, who were never once above 500 until a week into August, were crowned World Series champions last night for the first time since 1995 and fourth time in franchise history. Yes, they came out of a bad division. They didn't win 90 games, but they took down the Brewers, they took down the Dodgers, they took down the Astros en route to claiming the trophy, cementing the win with a bang last night, a 7-0 throttling of Houston. Now here to look back at the series and the season as a whole is Jamie Bettens. He is the president of the Manitoba, Manitoba Junior Baseball League and the guy I call on whenever we want to talk baseball on the show. Jamie, let's begin with your thoughts on the Braves finally getting it done after 16 straight postseason appearances without a title. I, I think it's it's an outstanding accomplishment and, and really speaks to what we covered you know, a few weeks back in that I, I think the best team won uh, the, the World Series. It wasn't the best group of players. It wasn't the most talented group by any stretch, but they were a team. They polarized together probably after the Acuna injury and, and the trade deadline and uh, good on their organization and their management for seeing the opportunity to, you know, not have to have the best lineup to win the National League East and then, but have just enough to, to really bond together and, and take a serious run at the World Series. And the teams that they beat along the way, um, you know, are absolute heavyweights. So, so good on them for, for doing what they did. Looking at this series as a whole, it was a series that didn't have a ton of drama. Four of the six games weren't close. Uh, games three and four were, were quite excellent, I thought, but the other four games were over pretty early, including last night's clincher. That was one you could turn off uh, pretty quick. Once Solaire hit one that hasn't landed yet, I mean, that was Albert Pujols' 2005 territory at Minute Maid Park, but... This this team, I think the one thing people look at, as you mentioned, with Acuna going out and Ozuna as well, as you know, that was his own fault. But the the acquisition at the trade deadline of a completely remade outfield does this give GMs ideas in years going forward to say, hey, you know what, we need to do more at the trade deadline because look what just happened with Atlanta. I, I think it does, um, but I, I think. What it will do is, is I wouldn't say it necessarily focuses on like an analytics department within the organizations, but it will certainly make the internal people look at what they truly have as their core and then what pieces would augment it going into the playoffs. I, I know most teams that that's commonplace, but I think you have to look a little bit deeper. You know, Atlanta didn't just go out and get whatever outfielders they could. For some reason, it, it, it really seems like they targeted their approach. Nobody expected rosario to to do what he did after coming over from minnesota nobody really expected a lot from solaire aside from maybe the power um and then jock peterson under the wire was was almost a a throwaway from the cubs but you know he came with world series experience that seemed to calm the clubhouse down and and again i mean sometimes you go to the casino and you get lucky um but other times it's it's a calculated approach and i and i think that, that this could change the deadline for years to come is there any long-term takeaway from the way we saw baseball in this postseason when it comes to starting pitching? Yeah, I think I think you know the Tampa Bay Rays have have started to really show you know 
where analytics is taking things when you have openers, um, when you have multiple starting pitchers, you know, only, you know, going, you know, certain amount of innings and then having to rely on the bullpens and, and really maybe deciding a world series. Um, I think teams are going to stockpile more pitching. I think you'll see the AAA teams have more arms readily available at the major league level. You may see guys stick around a little bit later in their career and, you know, transfer into two inning relief guys to, to kind of extend things and maybe make more money. I think there's a shift going towards, you know, shortening starting appearances and, and lengthening relief appearances. Um, and when we lose the potential of the, of the uh, pitcher hitting and, and bring on a DH, it really provides some intriguing uh, kind of options as we move forward. But, but I, I do think we've ushered in a new realm here with regards to pitching and and I, I don't see it changing for quite some time the Astros in last night's clincher used eight pitchers which is almost obnoxious the Braves though in a traditionalist kind of way w- w- that we haven't seen much this postseason used three Max Fried was finally really good four hits in six innings Tyler Matzik strikes out four in two innings and then Will Smith gets it done in the ninth I mean in the end, Atlanta, the the advantage we all thought they had going into the playoffs if they were to get to the end was starting pitching. And, I mean, Houston just didn't have it at all in this – almost mo- most of the playoffs. Once Lance McCullers went down, they didn't really have any starting pitching. Is it s- safe to assume that if they had really any pitching that they would have won this thing? I have to think so. Um, you know, I, I – I'll be honest, I almost forgot Zank Greinke was in the lineup until I saw him actually pinch hit, which is which is crazy to, to not see, you know, some of the innings that were thrown around and, and to know some of the, the players that they could have had. Um, it would have been an absolute difference maker. And again, the old adage is that good pitching beats good hitting. Um, I, I think Houston will take a look at this and kind of wonder where the lineup went as far as piecing it together and, and, you know, maybe dropping a bunt down here or there, or, you know, taking on some extra bases, but it just seemed like once the pitcher got rolling for Atlanta, the Houston lineup just kind of packed it in and it, and it made for, I wouldn't want to say completely unwatchable TV, but it, it was certainly tough to watch, uh, you know, kind of Atlanta mop the floor up with the Houston Astros, which I'm sure a lot of people are, are enjoying today. How good do you feel for Freddie Freeman today? Absolutely wonderful. Um, you know, the story's there. Um, you know, he's played for Team Canada in the past, so there's going to be a, a countrywide connection here. Um, he just seems to be that kind of all-American slash all-Canadian player as well. Um, you know, you see the the wife and the young son, uh, you know, being a part of it, and, and, it, and it really is a feel-good story. You know, I think Ron Washington's a good one. Snitker managing, you know, winning for the first time after being a Braves lifer. Uh, and then with the unfortunate circumstance of the GM, Alex Anthopoulos, having to miss due to COVID, um, you know, just a ton of feel-good stories. It, you know, I, 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 it kind of invoked the same feeling to me when a uh, different sport, but when Steve Eiserman or, or Ray Bork finally got their cups, I was just happy to see some of these guys get what they deserve. And... Fittingly, the Braves win it all in the the year that Hank Aaron passed away. Absolutely. So you have to think there there might be some divine intervention there. I noticed some of the players had the names on the hats, and uh, and uh, you know when when we lose Hammer and Hank like that, and, and the absolute legend that he was, um, and everything that he stood for, um, you know, is still seems to be kind of the premise as to how the Braves run their organization, first class. 
and uh, a lot of respect. So hats off to the Braves. So the season is done. How are you going to remember the 2021 season? The I'm going to remember it as the season that the Jays probably could have won it, to be honest with you. And, and that's a bit of a Homer response. Um, but I'm also going to look at it from the position of, you know, how many young players have stepped forward now to take on, you know, top roles in the game. And you can't just rattle off the top 10 players in the game now and and think back to names that have been around for a couple of years. There's so many new players. There's so much energy and youth injected into the game. Um, it's only getting younger. Uh, and to me, only more exciting as these players are becoming more athletic, performing absolutely special plays on the field and at the plate and on the mound. And uh, baseball at this point seems to be in good hands. I'm, I'm looking forward to you know, whether or not the DH issue gets settled and uh, what that might do as we move forward and uh, already excited for spring training next season. If we have it. <laughs> very, very true. I was, I wasn't sure if we were going to go there or not, but kind of have um, to, don't we? I mean, for, that's, that's where it turns almost immediately is towards a, a potential labor stoppage. Yeah. You, you, it's certainly going to, you know, create a log jam and, and there's going to be some, some pressure, put on the game on both sides, players, management, uh, owners as well, because free agent dollars uh, are going to come up now. Uh, spending budgets, whether or not there's a season, um, it's, it's going to decide whether or not teams are going to, you know, dole out some big dollars for some of these top names. You know, you got a Carlos Correa now coming off another World Series appearance who's, you know, going to be a big time free agent. But, you know, you have to ask yourself the question, if you're management, am I going to invest in a contract like that when I'm not sure if we're even going to have a season? So um, I think there's going to be some undue pressure that's going to be placed upon everybody to make decisions sooner than later, which hopefully means something gets ratified and, and we do end up having a season. Um, but as we've seen before, that doesn't uh, necessarily play out that way. And I hope we're not talking like this and talking about a labor strike uh, in, a, in, a, in a little time down the road. And because of the potential strife, I would imagine like big rule changes aren't going to be coming. I personally, I'm not a baseball traditionalist by any means, so I'm okay with tweaking rules in, in potentially dramatic ways, but games have been routinely taking too long. I mean, there, there are multiple games over four hours in the World Series. That's just such a huge ask to ask a fan sit through that for four hours. The players don't realize the game's that long. They're just in the game. But is it, I mean, the, they've tried all these different things in the Atlantic League and uh, making the bases bigger, moving the mound back and this and that, trying to boost offense. But isn't it as simple as putting in a pitch clock? I think it, I think that's where it starts. Um, you know, you see it in the minor leagues and you see it in some of these testing phases, um, you know, you know, even checking for substances after has a time frame attached to it. And, and it certainly slows down the game from an entertainment standpoint. And if you don't have an entertainment value, you don't have fans and you don't sell tickets. Um, you don't have to look farther than the great product that the Winnipeg Gold Eyes have with Andrew Collier. They know the games are long, but they put on a performance every single night. Their staff are phenomenal at what they do. And that's why people and families go to the games because you're getting more than just a baseball game. Um, the camera doesn't lie when you, you see them, you know, film the the dugout of the Atlanta Braves or the Houston Astros and you see players throwing sunflower seeds or just having casual conversations. It's because they're bored. 
Um, it's because there isn't a lot to focus on while you're waiting for the eighth pitcher of the game to go in and warm up. And, uh, and it makes it tough for everybody. I think it needs to be addressed sooner than later. And I think a, a pitch clock is where it probably starts. And uh, I'll get you out of here on this, on the, on the DH rule as we kind of bounce around all over the place here. I've asked you before whether or not you want it in there. We'll, we'll go back to that. A, should they put it in? And B, do you want it to go in to have pitchers no longer bat ever unless they're pinch hit and they say, hey, Zach Renke, you're actually a better hitter than some like Martin Maldonado. You go in. You know, it, I, I waver on this because I like the strategy that gets employed when, when the pitcher's in the game and, and having to take out somebody early and having bullpen pieces ready. Um, I'm not sure if I even like, you know, aged hitters, you know, keeping their careers a little bit longer, but it also, you know, creates opportunity for somebody who, you know, maybe isn't as mobile anymore, but still has a lot to offer, you know, for them to have a, a job in the game. Um, the DH is always going to be a position that, you know, pays out really well. Um, but I, I don't know if I want to take, too much away from the pitching i think they're already shortening their their lifespan you know even even during a game to five to six innings before they turn it over to the bullpen and now they're not hitting it's it's going to be tough to see that you know a pitcher's personality you know i don't know how much you see of it when they only hit a buck 25 and barely get on base anyways so from an entertainment standpoint i'm, I'm all for it from a baseball purist standpoint um, you know I, i'm not sure if you want to change that just yet well i'll go on record and say i think the pitcher shouldn't pad anymore. But that's, again, me, young kid, not a traditionalist by any means. Anyway, Jamie, appreciate your time as always. Have yourself a great off season, and we'll uh, check in when spring trading hopefully gets here. Thanks, and to you too. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all, but